are living your story right now in this moment. You know, no two stories are alike. We are all unique. We all have a different lens through which we see the world. We all have something to contribute, to share, to be. That uniqueness takes courage. It's not easy to stand in your truth. It's not easy to let yourself be vulnerable, to be really seen, to be really heard. So many of us hide. So many of us stay hidden. So many of us make the choice to step forward, to own who we are, to own our stories, to share our voice. The tide is turning. We're moving into a space of deeper vulnerability, courage, authenticity, and love. We're moving closer to greater self-love, self-acceptance, honesty, and empowerment. To get there, to get to that space, means we have to authentically share who we are. It means we have to authentically show up as our true selves. The magic is in sharing who you are. The magic is in sharing your story. That's where this series comes in. Own your voice. Love yourself. Stay true to your story. Dive deep into your vulnerability. Shine in your authenticity. Once you do, there's no stopping you. Stay honest. Stay brave. Stay true to who you are. Welcome to Seek the Joy Podcast, the power of storytelling. As women, I think we all share and seek validity, freedom, and a voice. Often the world or self squashes the life out of who we're created to be. Women living with real purpose, joy, and a deep passion for life. Women that can be vulnerable, independent, with a bold and brave confidence. Life isn't designed to be mundane, lifeless and soulless. Vibrancy, intellect and creativity should really be celebrated and not crushed. Every individual voice matters, every woman matters, yet we struggle as females to walk this life of freedom. For me, life has always been a battle. Depression, suicidal thoughts, comparison and the need to be in control dominated my life for years. At the age of 15, I don't think I understood the purpose of life, what it meant and how important it would be for my future. I certainly couldn't see my value or my true worth. I looked in all the wrong places, feeling alone and drowning, wondering if this was going to be my life forever. Lost in a bleak and barren wilderness with no hope in sight. I sometimes wonder what led me to that dark vortex. An identity crisis, possibly? But I think it was a deep pull to feel loved, for exactly who I was. I think we all go through this battle, wondering why we're here, who we are, and where we're headed. The years following are a jumbled mess, partying, spending sprees, being gym-obsessed, diets, more spending, drinking more, working harder than ever before. Energy and effort trying to fit in, morphing into a character I didn't like myself, but I was so desperate for friendship and affirmation, I kept on going. For over 10 years, this was my life, waking up, going to work, staying late at work to avoid facing my home, parties, online shopping binges, fancy unnecessary dinners, and wasted time and energy spent on trying to prove myself. 
I'd managed to numb myself from connecting with who I was, ignoring the fact that there could be more, that I could find joy, peace and love. I didn't think I was worth enough to ha- worth enough to have that. How many times have you thought about stepping out of a windowless life, too scared to face what that might be like? For me, definitely, darkness sometimes seems far less painful than starting again. My mind started to shut down because of sexual trauma, emotional trauma, self-inflicted life experiences and a whole lot of wrong turns. I can never think about the future. Getting through the day was enough for me. I couldn't celebrate my achievements or my past. It all seemed so dull and irrelevant. I shied away from looking at the positives and instead focused on all the negatives and there seemed to be so many. Stuck in a place of suffocation most nights, my dreams were about escaping this life, but where to? During all of this, I'd been in a long-term teen relationship turned marriage. In my late 20s, I started to realise that this was adding layers and layers of toxicity into my life. Yet it was too comfortable and too easy to see a different reality. One where I could really thrive as a woman. I don't think I knew what abundance meant meant let alone feeling wild and free life was a daily grind of fear worry anxiety or feeling absolutely nothing at all soon after i found out i was pregnant i'm not maternal at all so this was a huge shock i was unprepared and felt a new low it took a long term time to come to terms with this mainly because i was scared of bringing a baby into my world of hopelessness but also because i couldn't imagine loving or nurturing a baby Fast forward and soon after I gave birth, I had a sudden confidence to stand up and walk out of my marriage with the support of health workers, my family and a women's charity. This is where my story of freedom really begins. After 15 years of hating my life and myself, it was my window of opportunity. Something new was coming. I was going on a journey to find myself again. However, life's full of twists and turns. Nothing is plain sailing. After a few months of being on a real high, trying to start a business around motherhood and genuinely feeling good, life had come to a screeching halt. I realised I had nothing. All my memories, my home, possessions, job, comforts and husband were all gone. I had nothing left. I was on welfare with a three-month-old living with, with my parents and with nothing to show for my life, and absolutely nothing left. A year of solid grief, depression and suicidal thoughts meant I felt like I was in a worse position than before, trying to mother when all I wanted to do was to disappear from this mess, trying to bond with my baby when all I wanted to do was be anywhere else. I felt trapped, heavy and truly burdened. Whilst I respect all religions and people's journey of spirituality, my turnaround came through a discovery of love, hope and faith in Christ. For me, faith was a turning point, not a faith in myself or a faith in religion, but a trust in God who loves me as I am and who proved that love. It was a very personal choice and one that felt right for me. I'm in no way religious, but I found intimacy and faith with God that allowed me to reconnect to myself, finding healing spiritually, mentally and emotionally. I started to rediscover life, life and even more life. My old life had been buried and I was on a path of transformation. I started to see everything with a new perspective. 
My 360 degree turnaround through Christ's death and resurrection meant I didn't feel shackled, ashamed or condemned. It's allowed me to find my voice finally. I was becoming who I knew I was destined to be. It gave me a purpose, allowed me to truly dream and move forwards with joy despite the pain and tangled mess my life is actually still in. I'm unashamed of my past or how my future is shaping to be. Yes, I'm still on welfare. Yes, my history caused me to doubt myself. And yes, I still experience grief. However, my soul is free. I believe women should experience a walk of freedom, undeterred by the voices that shut us down and out. We all deserve a space to become women that can grow in love, strength, courage and wisdom. This walk is different and unique as individuals, but a spark of weak confidence can trigger a life of living in perpetual light, full of love, joy and peace. Keep seeking and keep in pursuit of freedom to become yourself. It will come when you least expect it. I'd love to share an excerpt of an affirmation I've written. Keep your head up. Stand up for what you believe in. On your journey, keep going and don't ever look back. Don't be afraid. Scars, wounds and stretch marks are a sign of your strength. Hold on tight to your sense of worth. Allow yourself multiple second chances because failure is an option. You're created by and through love. You are unique, an individual with a story. You're brave, beautiful and bold. You're enough, so come exactly as you are. You are wanted, you are needed and your presence is of intrinsic value. You are treasured beyond belief. You are perfectly imperfect. You are free and a breath of fresh air. You are a light seeker here for an extraordinary adventure. You are a warrior because of your history. You are an original destined for more. You are more than your gender and you have influence, so use it for good. You have wisdom, share your knowledge freely. You need to let go and take that big step of faith. I hope it gives you courage to find more, to become more and question whether there is something more. Sharing my story has given me a confidence to encourage women to break out of boundaries and limitations, something I could never have done a few years ago. Storytelling has allowed me to relive relive my past but see how bright my future is. I've learned that owning your story can help someone else. It shouldn't be kept hidden. It gives me a lot of joy to be open and transparent about my journey and hopefully it will inspire others to do the same. My biggest dream is to grow my business, She Is Found Studio, into a brick and mortar space where I can create, mental and inspire other women. Creativity and spirituality is at the core of who I am and what I do. My mission is to encourage women to find their enoughness and find out what they're living for in a holistic and creative environment that fosters community over everything. A space to be an individual, explore possibilities and find purpose. In my mind, it's got space for events, workshops, a creative studio, shop and one-to-one rooms for mentoring. It's so exciting. It's a vision that I hope is shared and that will really come to fruition. This is Tamara Ryan, CEO of Women's Bean Project. I like things to be in compartments. My sock drawer displays each pair folded into thirds and filed according to color. My spice cabinet is alphabetized. 
And chaos is fine as long as I can assess the situation, develop a plan, and put things into order relatively quickly. So putting things to order quickly was exactly what I set out to do when I became the CEO of Women's Bean Project in 2003. Women's Bean Project, or the bean as we sometimes call it, is a place where chronically unemployed and impoverished women come for a second chance in life. Women's Bean Project believes that all women have the power to transform their lives through employment. So we hire women who are chronically unemployed. A typical woman we hire hasn't had a job longer than a year in her lifetime. The average age is 39. And so they are convicted felons, recovering addicts, victims of domestic violence. Many were teenage mothers and high school dropouts. But they come to the BEAM Project for a chance to create new lives out of the mess that theirs have become. We were founded in 1989, and the BEAM Project is an anomaly in the business world. We are a business, one that creates and sells bean soup mixes and other food products to stores all across the country. But Tucked Inside is a human services organization designed to provide a safe and accepting work environment where impoverished women can learn the skills required for gainful employment. When I was hired as CEO, the bean faced several daunting challenges. The year before, it struggled through a financial crisis that almost caused it to close. And while the board and an interim director kept the doors open with a variety of emergency measures, including releasing most of the staff, the problems that led to the crisis had not been addressed. And so armed with two science degrees and a 15-year career in business marketing, I felt qualified to tackle those challenges. I decided my focus would be on increasing sales and marketing, boosting production, cutting costs, and raising profits. I could do this, I thought. No problem. I was excited by the potential. And I couldn't have been more naive. What I didn't recognize were the human challenges involved in running a business whose employees are the neediest among us. I hadn't thought about why our employees might not have held the job longer than a year. I had no idea that even if a woman tried with all her might to change her life, there were still powerful forces that pushed back on her attempts to change. The culture I stepped into the BEAM project couldn't have been more different from my own white middle-class suburban upbringing. And I learned that very quickly. During my first week at the Bean Project, in an attempt to learn the business, I was working on the bean soup production line alongside a woman named Felicia. Because we were standing so close, I started asking questions, in part to break the ice and also to become acquainted. So I asked, how did you end up here, Felicia? And we were scooping beans into the bag. When she said, when I was 14, I started selling drugs. It was fast money, easy money. Everyone I knew was using, so I could sell to them and support my son and my little brother. Felicia was 14 when she had her son, while she was also caring for her 10-year-old brother, because her mom was one of Felicia's drug customers. I listened to Felicia, and I thought about what I was doing at 14. I had just started running track, and my 4 by 200 relay team qualified for a national meet in West Virginia. It was going to be my first airplane trip, and I was going to be able to go without my parents. My first question that came to my mind that I actually said out loud was, didn't you want your son to grow up in a better environment than you, with your mom using and being surrounded by drugs? 
And now I know that I asked it as though there had been a menu of choices and Felicia had chosen selling drugs over, let's say, going to high school prom or taking AP English. It embarrasses me to think about it now, but this is how I thought back then. I thought people who got in trouble with the law were bad people who made poor choices. And people who committed crimes and took drugs got what they deserved. I remember thinking that if we could catch them and lock them away, our communities would be safer, crime would decline, and drug use would decrease. Now, as somebody who grew up with a lot of opportunity, I believe that anything was possible in America. And so poor people, unweighed teenage moms, high school dropouts were clearly responsible for their own misery because they hadn't taken advantage of the choices available to them. I believe that if we worked hard, society worked with us to help us succeed. I believe that Felicia had consciously chosen one life over another. But, you know, in reality, the only choice Felicia made was for survival. She chose to make the situation better for her based on what she knew. She had one opportunity to make a choice in her life, and she had no one around her to see what selling drugs would lead her to. So I realize now that it was easy for me to think this way because I'd never met any of the people that I, in the abstract, judged so harshly. I was a well-educated but clueless white girl who led from the head, not the heart. I believed that life is manifestation of our choices. Yet conveniently, all of my choices were condoned by my community. I will tell you that my perspective changed the moment I set foot inside the Women's Beam Project and I met the women we employed. I met Selena, whose mom introduced her to cocaine when she was 12 and then kicked her out of the house because she perceived that Selena was competition for boyfriends. Selena landed on the streets and had to fend for herself until when she was 18, she was arrested and incarcerated for drug manufacturing. I also met Waisha, who struggled with PTSD from a street assault and suffered from a debilitating bipolar disorder. I watched firsthand how she cycled from being a delightful, bubbly young woman to someone who couldn't get out of bed when she didn't have the money for her mood-stabilizing medication. And I met Sharice, who was 21 when she was charged with first-degree murder for killing the fiancé who'd been beating her for six years. Eventually, she was convicted of involuntary manslaughter, but she received an extremely harsh 26-year sentence. After serving seven years, the judge released Sharice and asked if she had learned her lesson and sent her to a halfway house, which is where she was living when she worked at the Bean Project. Slowly but steadily, I learned that the circumstances faced by our employees are not because they chose incorrectly, but because they had no role models for employment, or perhaps no one pushing them to stay in school, or no one discouraging them from getting pregnant as teenagers. They were disenfranchised from the community in every sense. And most were victims who had been further victimized by drug sentencing laws, cultural prejudices, and human services systems that dehumanize them even further. I really, in all of this, learned that it's society that holds certain women back. But I also learned something far more moving, and that is about the resiliency of the human spirit. I met countless women at the Beam Project who faced and overcame insurmountable odds. They taught me that it is possible 
to confront and overcome fear and shame and lack of self-worth. I have seen how difficult but necessary it is to stare adversity in the eye. And despite setbacks, because setbacks always occur, a path to a new life can be created. I've seen for myself the value and impact of a woman believing she is worthy of a better life. Newton's third law of motion says that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Applied to physics, this means that for every force, there's a reaction that is equal in size but opposite in direction. For the women at the BEAM project, this means that even as they try to create new lives for themselves, by doing exactly what society asks for them, getting a job, paying taxes, supporting their children, there are still a myriad of forces that conspire to push back against their progress. These opposing forces exist in our biases and prejudices against felons, addicts, and welfare recipients. They exist within the human services system that cut benefits even while a woman is working to create a foundation to decrease her dependence on just those services. The forces that exist within the correction system that create barriers to success and demeaning methods for keeping convicts in line is also a huge force. In truth, society is not entirely to blame because I've also seen women work against themselves. On the brink of success, they self-sabotage through passive-aggressive behavior, relapse, or other choices that return them to prison. Low self-esteem makes it extremely hard for them to believe in their worthiness for employment outside of the BEAN project. And their addictive backgrounds stand in the way of finding healthy, productive strategies for dealing with the challenges they face in life. And families are also a force working against the women. The codependence found in a household that is mired in addiction can undermine even the most committed recovering addict. In a family life where chaos is the norm, the creation of a calm, orderly life is often threatening, but certainly elusive. Women whose parents are addicted don't know what a normal childhood is and often recreate dysfunction in their own families, ranging from poor parenting skills to drug use and criminal behavior. And by the time they come of age, their kids are poised to make the same mistakes, pulling their mothers down with them. The third law has even affected me. As CEO of Women's Beam Project, I lead a system that exerts pressure on these women to change. And in return, opposing forces with, from the women have caused me to change. I have moved from becoming a, what I would say is a hard-hearted, business-focused woman to someone who wants, uh, maybe I should say needs, to know each woman's story. Fundamentally, in ways I could have never imagined, I have changed. Although I didn't know it at the time, I had a lot of prejudices when I walked through the doors of Women's Beam Project. But it was more than that. I had little awareness of those prejudices, how they'd formed or even why they'd formed. I had never thought about, truly thought about what I believed because my beliefs had never been challenged. While getting to know the women of the bean, I think it's fair to say that I got to know myself. And with this new awareness, I've found compassion and understanding. I've developed an ability to empathize with women on a level I would have never thought possible. 
I know today that I used to think of the world as black and white, right or wrong, good or bad. Today, I understand there are thousands of gray shades in between. It was one thing to judge women I'd never met. It has been something else entirely to get to know the women one by one, to look into their eyes and feel the pain in their stories. With this awareness, there's no room to judge. I've cried for joy with the women, as proud as any mother of their accomplishments. And I felt deep, deep sympathy for their trials, often driving home at night wondering if there were other ways I could help. I've mourned their losses, hugging my own children while reflecting on the children they've lost. And I've also felt anger and disappointment and sadness when women at the beam make choices that take them backward. When I first meet the women who come to the BEAM project, I see anger and hurt. I see closed up women who are afraid to imagine anything better for their lives. And yet even so, they arrive at the BEAM project hoping for a chance that maybe this will be the program that finally changes everything. The women who arrive have nothing left to lose and everything to regain. And so I find myself compelled to tell the stories of the women because too often they buy into the notion that society puts in front of them that they're not good enough to be hired by an employer who will care about them or to earn money to finally move off of assistance or to have a life that their kids can be proud of. And when I feel this way, I want to grab the women by their hand, pull them along and show the world the women I've come to know. My hope is that by sharing the stories of the women as I meet them, I will give them a voice. I know that there will always be chronically unemployed women and a system that works against them and opinions and attitudes that undermine their success. But I also hope that Women's Bean Project can help them become empowered to take responsibility for their actions so that we as taxpayers and voters can begin to take responsibility for our own influence on the laws and policies that trap people in some of society's most intractable intergenerational social ills. Hello everybody, my name is Karina Sawada and I'm gonna share a piece of my story with you. And my goal is that anybody who is going through this, you know that you're not alone and that happiness is possible for you too, okay? So a little bit about me and kind of going back a few years, I was in a four-year on and off again toxic relationship. Um, a lot of lying, a lot of cheating. He would cheat. I would apologize for it everything was my fault. Every fight was my fault. I was to blame for everything. And over the course of these four years, I lost my family. I lost my friends. I lost myself. I didn't even know who I was. I would look in the mirror and I did not recognize the girl that I saw. I was doing things that I never would have done in the past, right? But I had to be that girl that was going to prove to him that he could be loved, that he could change. And I clung on to those little pieces of love that I would get. And I was like, that man is in there. That man is in there. And for years, I went on like this. And at 21, I got pregnant. 
with our child, our son. And at 14 weeks pregnant, I wound up single and I was terrified. There was no way that I could do this. There was no way I could be a brand new single mom. I did everything that I could do to get him back. I begged and was on my knees asking him to take me back. And little did I know he was seeing another woman and he would come into bed some nights and he would hold me and he would tell me he loved me and he would tell me everything that I could do to get our family back. And I clung onto those words. But then the next night he would come into bed and it was like I didn't exist. And he would tell her he loved her. And then he would go spend a weekend with her and he would come back and he would tell me it's just not the same and that we're going to be a family. And then in the next breath, he would tell me it's never going to be a chance. And I clung on to that. I clung on to the possibility of a chance. 2014 was the worst year of my entire life. I was so depressed. I was pregnant. I gave birth to our child and we were living together. And the first words out of my mouth when our son was born was, don't take a picture of our son and send it to your girlfriend. Like, please. My pregnancy and bringing our son into the world was not the picture-perfect story that you envision, right? The happiness, the love, the support, the excitement, none of that was there. And after a few months, when our son was three months old, I was like, you know what? Enough is enough. I deserve so much more than this. I can't keep playing these games with you. I can't keep putting myself through this. And on January 1st, 2015, I moved my son and I into our own tiny two-bedroom apartment paying triple the amount of rent that I was used to and that I knew I could afford. I was making $11 an hour. I was terrified. I sat in the living room of my apartment that night holding my three-month-old son just crying saying, I have no idea how we're going to do this, but we're going to figure it out and we're going to make it work. And shortly after that, I found network marketing and because I felt so alone, right? There was times I would go weekends without hearing the sound of my own voice. We did every other weekend custody. My son was only three months old. And so some weekends when I didn't have him, I had lost all my friends. Remember, I had lost all my friends. I hardly ever saw them. We had opposite schedules, different lives. I felt so alone. And so when I found network marketing and I found these supportive women, it changed my life. I was surrounded by women who didn't judge me, who loved me despite all of the shit and all of the pain. And they believed in me and they gave me a support system. And it was through that that I really started to prioritize my health. I started exercising. I started eating right. I started listening to personal development podcasts just like this one for 15 minutes every single day. I started setting boundaries with family members and myself and in my relationships. And I did a whole negativity detox, a sweep, and I became the happiest version of myself that I was like, who is this woman? It feels so good and I felt so good, but my dating life wasn't as pretty. I was attracting a bunch of emotionally unavailable men, men who had zero interest in my son, One man even told me and looked me straight in the eye and said, I will never love him. That hurt. That hurt. I attracted men I had met my soulmate who I thought was my soulmate and 
Three months later, I get a call from his fiance. I never would have known this man was engaged. I've been ghosted like nobody's ever been ghosted before. Seeing this man for a few months, things were going great. And hours before a planned date, blocked my number, blocked me on Instagram, blocked me on Facebook, just no response, just MIA. To three weeks later, come back, and what did I do? Okay, I'll give you another chance. Right? And every single time, I was like, why, why is this happening to me? Is it me? And I would cry myself to sleep because I was so lonely. And the only thing I wanted is love. I wanted a family. And why does this keep happening to me? I didn't understand. And I still had so much pain and so much anger from my past relationship with my son's dad that was still holding me back and still there. And I was still so mad at him. And for a long time, I still blamed myself. I blamed myself for my son not having a family. And that took a lot of years to finally accept and to forgive myself for everything, to forgive him for everything. And that kind of brings me to where I am today is over the past five years, I did a lot of healing around that relationship with my son's dad. I've forgiven him and we are now at a place where we can co-parent. We have one of the best co-parenting relationships I have ever seen, right? We still get on each other's nerves, but we're there for our son, right? I now have enough self-worth to tell a man that I don't place my worth in the hands of you. So if you don't see my worth, then bye, right? To tell a man, I'm not available to be somebody's afterthought. To prioritize my time and to know that I am worthy of being a priority in your life. That I am going to stand up for what I deserve and what I believe in and I am not going to settle for anything less than that. I am so happy within myself. I look in the mirror and I am so proud of everything I've accomplished and so happy and so complete within myself. It's a, I'm Karina. And if you can't handle it bye. I'm not going to change who I am for you, which I did a lot more times than I can count. So now I am here helping women find themselves and love again after a toxic relationship. I am here to guide you through this stage in your life, to help you find happiness and peace again, to help you recognize and fall in love with the woman that you see in the mirror, to not have to lie to your family and friends about your relationship. And all things are better. We're good to feel so empty and sad inside, but to put out a front to the outside world that makes you appear that you're happy and that everything is fine when really you're slightly dying. To help you break down those walls because I know that if you're anything like me, the one thing you want most in this world and in your life is love. And when we have those walls up against our heart, We can't let love in. Sure, it might protect us from getting hurt, but we're also not going to be open to receiving love. So I help women receive love. Let's heal from the pain of the past 
You are in control of your life. Those people who hurt you, they're no longer in control. They were meant to come into your life for a reason. And this is something I believe that life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. There's a lesson in every single relationship. And that is something I really had to do. I took a look at every single relationship I had and I said, okay, if this isn't happening to me and this is happening for me, what do I have to learn from this? And that healed so much within me. It healed so much within me. And when I really started to do what lights me up and I really started to follow my joy and find my joy, I started to become more me. But it took time and it took some exploration and it took a little bit of, does this feel good? No. So let's try a little bit of this. Does this feel good? Yeah, this feels really good. Okay, let's do more of this. And you start out small. You start showing bits and pieces of you. I started at work in my corporate job, just showing little bits and pieces of me. And soon you start to be so confident in who you are that no matter who you're around, you're you all the time. And it feels so damn good. Feels so damn good. So that's a little piece of my story. And I just want you to know that it is possible for you to find happiness. It is possible for you to find love. It is possible for you to heal after all of that pain. And I know it seems impossible due to all the pain that you have experienced and all that people have put you through, but it is so possible and you are so worthy of receiving that love. So I am going to wrap this up with the two questions um, that everybody answers. So what have I learned about myself from sharing my story? I learned that I'm pretty badass. Like I am pretty badass and I am in control of my life and nobody gets to fuck with me. I have learned that I have standards, that I am worthy I am worthy of nothing short of amazing and I am not going to settle. And I'm pretty badass, not going to lie. <laughs> um, my biggest dream, I think my, my biggest dream really is to pursue my business, help as many women as I can, and in turn, live an amazing, abundant life to be able to travel the world, to be able to live in my dream house and provide opportunities to other people, to be able to pay a team to help me serve all of you, to have my family and my soulmate and have everything I dreamed, all helping everybody in return, helping women who truly need it, living in a constant state of gratitude and abundance. That is my biggest dream. And it feels so good to know that I get to have that because I'm worthy of that. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. I hope you had some takeaways and I hope that you know that this is possible for you and you are so worthy of that life that you desire and that you want. This is Seek the Joy podcast, the power of storytelling. Join us, share your story. For more information and to get involved, visit seekthejoypodcast.com. This series airs the third week of every month. And make sure to join us for Seek the Joy Tuesday. Until then, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for being here. And thank you for listening. Thank you.